0: Hello everybody. Welcome once again as we continue on in our study of the New Testament. Um, I'm looking at the top of my notes. This is um, study number 215. So that's pretty good. That means we've been in it for a while. And uh, well, like I said, we're on the, we're on the last 40 some lessons that we'll do. And we should finish close to the end of the year. Uh, uh, we're working through James now. We've got uh, 1 John, 2 John, 3 John. We've got Jude and then we'll get into Revelation. Um, and that ought to take us home um, from there. So, uh, and then as I said, we'll start the Old Testament, and that'll map out about 15 years. So, you all have plans for Wednesdays for the next 16 years plus. And then as I was talking to somebody earlier, then we'll do it all over again. So, in case we missed anything, that back 20, we'll do it again. Then I think I'll let someone else teach. (laughs) That's 36 years. That ought to do it. Um, So we're in the book of James now and uh, we started this last week Uh, we're in the second chapter of James. James is an interesting book. It's different than a lot of the the letters that we've read to to date. Remember we're going through them in in, in, uh, chapter by chapter like this to hold them in context. And I've said to you that's one of the most important ideas when you read the Bible is to read it in context. I want to just continually drill that into you that um, even when you, when you start having a, a verse that means something to you. And that's good. I like, you know, I like verses. But um, make sure it means the same thing in context. That means it should mean the same thing to you when it says that when you read the verses below it, before it, and after it. It should still mean the same thing, or else you're getting it out of context, all right? And because and, um, sometimes we find a little verse, and we'd like to make it work for one of our little pet ideas or theologies. Anybody ever do that? there's a nice little verse right there and it would really work fine for a little sort of idea that we have but it doesn't say what we wanted to say when you read it in context then you can't do that okay Um, so you have to get used to looking at the verses in context you also have to get used to understanding they were written um, at a certain point in time in our history um, to a certain people to address a certain problem but under the unction of the Holy Spirit um, they they still apply to today, but the context of why they were written also impacts what's being said, and so you have to hold all of that in when you look at the scripture. You have to think about all of that, and and uh, um, it's it, it it's something that we're to think about. Now we have the Holy Spirit who illuminates stuff to us, and so he helps us through it. and And, um, and certainly, you know, the course of the history of the church, there's a lot of different ideas about some things, and and even the book of James. Um, was not one of the favorite books of guys like Martin Luther. He had a big trouble, big problem with the book of James. Um, and, and it was a... Uh, and we'll talk about why, um, but you have to remember that even then, the context of the historical setting of Luther, who, who Martin Luther, you know, who protested the church at that point in time, the Catholic church, because they had become um, so works-oriented and um, were, we're selling indulgences they gotten really corrupt at that point in their history um, and, and Martin Luther was breaking away from that so you know Protestantism that's us you know um, most of us here unless you're still Catholic which is fine but, but we, we've come out of that movement but Luther um, he, he, didn't, he struggled with the book of James because if you're, if, you, if you're not careful about how you read the book of James um, it starts to look like you can earn your salvation through works and that was absolutely something that that Luther stood up against that it can't be done and if you take it in that regard it seems to conflict with what the Paul says which is you know it's all grace and faith and um, we don't earn it Um, and so we have to be careful when we read the book of James that we understand that um, even though James is a book about faith it's not about saving faith Um, it's it's different in, in its conception it's about the role that faith plays in the life of a person who's already a believer. And that our faith in Jesus should ultimately result in a transformed life. And so remember, James was being written to a group of believers. Also, in the very early church, they would have been um, Jewish believers with a, with a firm foundation in the Old Testament that he was, he was counting on, just like the writer of Hebrews. And, and be much different than the way Paul was having to present ideas to a group of people who had no sort of standing in the, in the Old Testament, no foundation, that, and we're, we're brand new into everything. And so they, they, they're coming, they're, they're making the same points, but from, from different sort of places. And so you have to hold these things in tension uh, when you read through James, so you don't start to think James is talking about, you know, earning your salvation, because he's not. He's talking about the, the life of faith that results in a believer who's all in for God, and, and that all in for God should begin to noticeably change the way that you live, particularly in the way that you relate to God and others. And he'll actually bring up the verse we've been studying a lot on, on the weekend, and I'll, I'll get back into it. So, uh, in James 1, last week, um, James started talking about, you know, our, our, um, looking into our personal lives, our interpersonal lives, uh, and how faith impacts those um, our character, our attitude, our emotional responses, and even our behaviors. Um, these were all sort of part of James chapter 1. And how all of those things are reshaped by faith, um, our, our life in Jesus. And so, um, participation then in the community um, of, of those that are involved in, in life in Christ, um, our lives should be being changed. Um, and and particularly, as I said, the way we relate to others. It's it's not just a set of of rules or presuppositions about Jesus that we're following. It's it's trusting in the Lord in a way that that causes us to be transformed from the inside out. And and James is just making that case uh, um, in this this letter that he writes at this point in time. So let's dig into James chapter 2, 26 verses. I'll read them to you. I'm going to read out of the NIV. If you have your own Bible, whatever translation you have works, or it's on that piece of paper. If you picked one up at the door, or there's Bibles in the rows, um, you can get them from there. Here we go, James chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. My brothers, as believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ, don't show favoritism. Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes, and a poor man in shabby clothes also comes in. If you show special attention to the man wearing flying clothes and say, here's a good seat for you, but say to the poor man, you stand there or sit on the floor by my feet. Have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my dear brothers. Has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom he promised those who love him? But you have insulted the poor. Is is it not the rich who are exploiting you? Are they not the ones who are dragging you into court? Are they not the ones who are slandering the noble name of him to whom you belong? If you really keep the royal law found in Scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing right. But if you show favoritism, you sin and are convicted by the law as lawbreakers. Whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder." her. If you do not commit adultery, but do commit murder, you become a lawbreaker. Speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom. Because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Verse 14 is where Luther's issue came up, just in case you wondered um, and following. Uh, This is where he struggled. What good is it, my brothers, if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save him? Was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction? As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. Blessed be the word of the Lord. So you can see how, maybe you can see how some of those verses there from 14 on might have given uh, guys like Luther a little trouble. Because it sounds like he's saying that you're, you're sort of justified by your actions. But he's not. He's saying... That, that what he's saying is that, that a life in Christ um, will result in a change in the way that you operate in this life. And, and it has to. And it has to impact the way that you relate to other people. Um, a, a, a truly committed life to Christ will change the way that you are in the world around you. And if it doesn't, something's missing. Um, if, if change doesn't start to take place in you, something's going on. And, and that's the point I believe that James is making. And that it's, it's, a, it's the fruit of your life um, that, that starts to demonstrate the fact that God is at work in you. Um, and, and so that's what we're looking for, this tie-in. But it's never about you, you don't earn your salvation. You cannot earn it. It's, it's freely given by, by God in Christ. Um, it's all grace and, and faith in, in that respect. But um, from that should come a life that makes a difference. Uh, there, there is something that should take place in you uh, in this response to this love of God that changes the way that you operate in the world. And, and to me, that's the point of James. He's saying, guys, you've, you, you've, you've had um, an expectation in your lives. Remember, he's writing to a Messiah coming. Well, he's here now. And now that your life is found in Christ, um, not just trying to, you know, live by a set of rules, but actually, you know, living this thing out in Christ, things should begin to change in the way that you see everything. And so he makes these... Um, these ideas to them, uh, a few ideas in, in James 2 that, that I want to talk about. The first one in the first seven verses and we've been talking about this a lot lately he goes into the discussion about um, discriminating between rich people and poor people and and to me he's saying listen, you know culturally we have a way of um, putting value on people and, and then as it is now it, we tend to put a higher value on people who are successful by the world's standards and so um, uh, with, without maybe even realizing it we send we tend to highly value people um, who excel in all sorts of ways like in all, our culture um, you know we we tend to value people that are very successful in uh, either because they have a lot of money um, we tend to put value on people that excel in athletics and, and we, you know, what's, what's shocking is we, we, they get valued in our culture and it has nothing to do with the rest of their lives. They can be really not very nice people as some of you can see. But because they excel in athletics, um, they, 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 get, they get this stature in our culture um, that, that may not be really what they should have. Uh, and yet, because that's what we value culturally, um, we start to sort of, you know, really look at those people as really being something. Um, uh, and what James is saying, in the church, if, if a rich person comes in and a poor person comes in, if you treat them differently just based on that, you're missing the point. Because in God's eyes, everybody has tremendous value. We talked about that last week. See, God always sees people, uh, and, and I talk about this all the time, He always sees the beauty of their potential. And, and so, and each, each one is a creation uh, of God. He, you know, each one is a, his masterpiece, his workmanship, his poema. You know, I've showed you that word before. And, and so um, their, their cultural status isn't what God looks at. God doesn't look at the outward things. That's what we do. God looks at the heart. And, and um, he, that's where he, you know, he sees people and finds people. And so um, we need to make sure that we don't label people um, by uh, what, what the culture says is, is the definition of things. That, that we see people... Um, the way God does, and, and that each one has value. It's really important that, that we start to interact with people in a way where, where we understand that they have value, and, and that uh, that's an important part, that, that we, we're to treat everybody like they matter, um, and that we're to do that because they do. That's the whole, that's the reason you would do that. We treat them like they matter because they do. They matter to God. Everybody, you, you get that everybody matters to Him? Everybody. And how easy it is for us, though, in the midst of our busyness to just start not seeing all sorts of people just get the blinders on and go and and he does and then you know and then given the opportunity if we start having to pick and choose we, we might start showing favoritisms to people you know well they seem like they're this or they're that or whatever instead of everybody should get treated the same and, uh, and, and, and by treating them the same they should all get treated well too don't treat everybody badly That's a, just to make sure I'm going to be equal to everybody, I'm going to treat you all badly, and that's the way it goes. Then there's no one can accuse me of anything. That's not what he's talking about. Either. That's what, don't, don't go there on me. So, you know, put away the labels. Right? We talk about that a lot. James, James, the book of James is just really filled with practical advice on living this thing out. That's the whole book. I told you it's a lot like the Proverbs. Law. It's just filled with all these practical things. This is how you do it. That's what he was telling. Okay, This is what it looks like. We're, we're, we're moving out of you know, what we sort of come to know and we're embracing something that fulfills it and so it looks different in its practice then he goes on in verses 8 through 13 and I love this he, he calls it the royal law I love that I love that James put that to it and, and the royal law is love your neighbor as yourself isn't that cool and it just so happens we've been spending a huge amount of time talking about that on the weekends and it's, it's one of my favorite subjects right now because it's all I've been thinking about love God Heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. And he says, L- Listen, just do that. That's what he says. The royal law, love your neighbor as yourself, do that. That's what he's telling these folks to do. And he makes the point, and I'll talk about it more in a minute, that, that we're all lawbreakers. And, um, and we're all lawbreakers because to break one law is to break them all. That's what he's saying. He makes a point. He says, Even if you, and, and so, because sometimes, again, when we want to label people, we have our own um, I have defined it for you before we have our own sort of inner sin scale where where some sins aren't so bad and some sins are horrendous and it usually tends to um, uh, move along a line of the ones that we consider horrendous are ones that we're not bothered by personally and and the ones that we might struggle with well those are less bothersome you know other than well those are just you, you, you know you, little sins you know what I'm talking about the little sins and then there's great big sins and I got these little sins God's working on, but other people got these great big ones, and we don't like them. And and yet, I don't see that in the Bible. They're just sin, and it's all a big mess, and it, it drove Jesus to the cross on our behalf. All of them were a big deal. And so, you know, the, the thing is, don't ever start thinking that, um, uh, well, like because I have done this and I haven't done that, that that makes me better than you. The idea is when you when you, bro- when you broke one of the Mosaic laws, you broke the whole deal. And all of us have done that. that just It's like... Um, uh, uh, sticking a, a, a thumbtack in a balloon. Um, you only got to put it in there one time in one place to blow up the whole balloon. Um, same thing with the law. You just got to blow up one of them and you blow the whole thing. And so he's saying, listen, um, since we, we're all in that boat, since all of us have sinned, none, none of us have lived a thing, but all of us need Jesus. Everybody needs Jesus because we've all blown it. Um, then then that, that realization helps us to fulfill the royal law and that's what we've been talking about and it's worth talking about again Um, see the the commandment love your neighbor as yourself the royal law remember Jesus isn't telling you um, what he's commanding you to do is love your neighbor he's assuming you already love yourself and I define that part of the verse by saying that that that's true um, because deep down no matter how broken we are and what a mess we are and how much we struggle with esteem and all sorts of other issues deep down all of us desire to be as happy as we can possibly be um, and, and in and of itself that's not an evil desire it was in there in you was created in you hardwired in you by God it was there before the fall um, so it's not uh, in and of itself a, a, a bad thing uh, it often becomes a bad thing because it, it becomes our pursuit instead of pursuing God we start pursuing being happy now that's a sin but the overall deal is that, that all of us are are searching for to, for happiness. that's just the way it is. It's how we define it, see, is the issue. And, and where we get to in this whole process is, is this, that because we realize and hopefully we realize this, that real happiness is only ever found in Him. And, and I said we, we can't even begin the second part of the the, the thing, love your neighbor yourself. If you haven't already started at some level to move into the first one, Love God all in, heart, mind, soul, and strength. Because that's where life is found. That as we start realizing that that's what he's talking about. Because the if we were to just take this love your neighbor as yourself for what it meant without having that first part in there. Because it's saying love your neighbor as yourself. It's not saying, love yourself really good, get everything you want, get yourself all set up, get your life worked out so that everything's going really good. And then with whatever's extra, you can go ahead, maybe you can care about somebody else. It's not what he's saying. He's saying that that same passion and energy and desire and push that you have for your own life, you need to have that for everybody else too. And if you take that in, it, it really means, well, what that means then is that, that if, if I'm supposed to work as hard for them as I am for me, that I can never achieve what I think I need to be happy because I would constantly have to be doing that for everybody else. And that's the commandment. Well, that, the, that doesn't make sense, nor does it seem fair, and there's a lot of things I could say about that. I can't, I can't do that. But see, that only gets us stuck if we start thinking in worldly terms of what happiness looks like because we're never gonna find happiness by going after it in our own strength trying to set up our own lives so that they work happiness isn't there happiness is found all in in God heart mind soul and strength having realized that and then that he starts taking care of everything else we begin to realize that what we're what we're being asked to do is that that need in us for happiness that caused us to finally come to Christ and realize that that's where life is that now that we have found life in him that in order to love our neighbors, that, that our whole hope then is that they would also find that life. And we're to begin to live in such a way that those people can come to know life as well. That's, that's how we love them, the way we love ourselves. That they can come in and find what we found in Him. And that that becomes sort of the priority of our lives. As, as you know, in the time that we have here until He comes and gets us. And, and, and that, you know, um, we're to seek first His kingdom, all those things. And then the cool thing is He starts taking care of all of that stuff and so this all has to begin to work in us in this process and, and so um, the first part of the command we have to get a hold of love God all in so that we can start then living out the second one and, and, um, and all of this again is is how we are to able to fulfill the royal law with the Spirit of God giving us the strength and with our mindset knowing that that's what we're heading towards and what we're moving for Now. Those, those troubling verses 14 through 26 and we could do a lot of different talks about that but, but uh, James isn't suggesting that it's your works that save you he's saying you know, in very concise ways what I've been trying to say in that little ramble that I just had um, he's saying this that once you've been saved once that you've found life all in with God um, then your life and the way you interact with others should be transformed and that that you should really begin to love others as yourself and that the needs of others particularly for a life in Christ should become a priority to you and, and, and in effect uh, he's saying you can no longer um, just, just look at a situation and not be impacted by it at all those days are gone uh, you, you just can't look at a situation and, and realize that there's something going on and do absolutely nothing about it, you you can no longer in Christ um, be like the priest and the Levite in the in the parable of the Good Samaritan that just walked by. You have to, at some level, take on some of the ideas of the Good Samaritan concept. And I told you that you know I believe in that parable. That was Jesus. He's saying this is what it looks like to care about others, um, and we don't do that in order to try and earn our salvation we've already got salvation in Christ it's already been given to us it was a gift so our response is because it's been given to us Lord how can I live for you and because of what's taking place it begins to transform us from the inside so that that we actually start to care about things other than ourselves and we start caring about the people that God cares about we start putting away labels and we just start figuring out what can we do to help people that are in need to get into the journey and and you know we can't fix every need. I mean sometimes I, you know there's situations and you see them, um, and some, maybe all we can do is pray that situation. and, and I'm not that. It's that's not a uh, prayer is a very powerful thing. That's a good thing. Um, that's not like oh well, that's just a. I mean seriously pray. But but maybe we can do something. And you know I always say don't get overwhelmed in those situations. Um, ask God what what or you should or shouldn't do and and do that. Um, sometimes you know I see somebody that that. Um, uh, it's got going through something, I see what I can do to help, you know, it's, can I stop, do they need a ride, do they need a lift, do they need a, you know, I look for those things um, uh, and I realize we live in a world that's not, you know, that sometimes people are trying to trap and hurt and all those, I ask God for discernment, and I, I figure I'm changing his pocket, um, so he can spend me however he wants, but sometimes I, I, you know things come up that I don't feel like I'm supposed to, God do you want me to do anything and no, you pray or something like that, which is big but isn't a an a thing, and sometimes it's something different. But um, ignoring it's not an option any longer. Ignoring wasn't it? ignoring things was a great option for a while. You know, sometimes you could just ignore stuff, um, and it's not really part of the plan anymore. Um, it, it should impact you at some level because it has to. Um, it's a broken world. It's a mess, and people need Jesus. And loving our neighbors and ourselves means that 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 we encounter people who need the mercy. Uh, of our heavenly Father that we've received, and, and we're to we're to figure out what that looks like, and it's a it's an ongoing thing. I haven't got it all figured out, um, but but you know we need to be open to it, and so the over idea. Make sure you get it in James two is that we can't earn our salvation um, by by serving and obeying God, but those actions um, demonstrate that our commitment to God is real, and, and so the you know the deeds of of sort of loving service they're not a substitute for but but they're, they're really sort of a verification of our faith in Christ, that, that these things should start happening for those that are following after Jesus. So that's James 2. That's enough of it anyway. Um, if you're watching on video or on television, thanks. Appreciate your time. Come by visit sometime. We'd love to have you. Go to the website. If you need prayer, There's a prayer spot, and type it in, and we'll pray for you, and um, we'll see you again next time.